I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a weekly dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi! (laughs) Wait, who was that? Is that you, Dwayne? Rocking up with the vocals. Oh, no, no, that was definitely Cameron. Today we're joined by two very beautiful and creative people. We have with us poet, creator and storyteller Cameron Bernard-Jones. You can find him on at CBJArts on Instagram. And Dwayne Black, also known as Black in Motion on the gram. Dwayne is a youth and family crisis worker and photographer. Cameron is a West End musical theatre actor and voice coach. And they're both a pain in my ass. Arse. <laughs> Good one. Did you all say that here? Arse? Arse. In, yeah, I think I say ass, though. Ass. Do you say ass, ass or ass? ass? I say ass. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all about context, right? It really. Definitely. Really that. Mm-hmm. Now, these two boys... Men, in fact, are incredible solo creators <laughs> with a combined portfolio of spoken word photography, videography, and body oddy oddy. And we are very excited to welcome them both to the show. Hi, Cameron. Hi, Dwayne. How are we all doing this lovely Thursday afternoon? Doing great. Great day. Yeah, can't <laughs> complain. It's nearly Friday. I know, right? <laughs> I can feel it in the air. Are you excited to be on Queer Talk? Absolutely. Yeah. So one of my podcasts lined up in my dock, so it'd be great to hear our voices. You know, this is this is the first podcast I've ever been on, so No way. Yeah, Honestly, excited. from from the setup, I would never ever have guessed. <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> <laughs> no tech issues at all. This is actually also uh, Minor Muff Scene's first ever time recording, as, as you could also tell from the setup. So we're, so we're doing pretty well. <laughs> this is actually, well, it's not our first time doing a podcast episode, but it is our first time having two guests on the show in one go. So we are very fortunate to have both of you here. Thank you. For the listeners, let's get a good idea of what you're about, who you are, and how you have arrived here at Queer Talk Podcast. So let's start start with Cameron. Cameron, introduce yourself. Let us know who you are, your pronouns, and what makes you an amazing person. Hey, hey, hey. I'm Cameron. Cameron Bernard-Jones, if you ask. I am a singer and actor on the West End and elsewhere. I also am a poet under a pen name called Brisbane Kofi, so you can call me either. You can call me both. <laughs> Gorgeous. How did you come up with the name Brisbane? Is it Brisbane? Brisbane, yeah. So it's a two-parter. So Brisbane is one of my family names. It's my mother's maiden name. And I've always loved it, but it's not anywhere of my names. Um, So I always want to say, you know, one day I'm going to celebrate that name somehow. Um, So when I came up with this pen name that had to be in it. And the second part, Kofi, is a Ghanaian name. Probably know a lot of Ghanaian people with that name. Is given to boys born on a Friday. And since I was born on a Friday, I chose that. I chose that Ghanaian name because uh, when I uh, found out my DNA results in 2017, my highest percentage of uh, West African was from current day Ghana and Ivory Coast. So that name is an homage to my ancestry and my lineage. I love that. I love that. Like, I would never have known. Um, I just thought it was a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's meaning in everything. As there should be with a poet. I am also a Friday's child, so we have that in common. Yes. Dwayne, you're up. Who are you? Who are you? Two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm Dwayne, also known as Black in Motion. I'm a photographer by night and a families and children crisis worker by day. That's my nine to five. I'm a photography filmmaker and my work centres mainly queer people of colour, but queer folk in general. Amazing. So you two have worked together for a little while now, but what we really want to know is how did you guys meet? 
where where did it all begin was it like a drunken night out did you just stumble (laughs) across each other online like how did this all begin he's he's going first um i'm sure we've both got different different versions right oh i'll I'll go first because i think i was the the active one in that (laughs) that relationship go ahead um so we have a mutual friend called bobby cray who's a wonderful photographer based here in london I had done many photo shoots with Bobby and he has a huge Instagram presence and I was going through his page and uh, saw Dwayne within a, I think it was a nude shoot probably. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Bobby does mostly nude shoots. Probably. Um, And so I just checked out what he's all about. He has in Dwayne, Black Emotion and something really resonated with me. There was synergy, even though we had not met before. And so I did kind of the unthinkable. I, I reached out and slid into his DMs. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, I don't know you, so why are you <laughs> contacting me? But um, I saw the work he'd done. And at that point, I was really kind of deep into my writing journey and had a bunch of literary projects going on in my head. And I just wanted to find a way to network with other artists and so i reached out to him and we met up at a coffee shop and it was like it was magic brothers yeah it really was i mean cameron reached out to me on social media and you know from day one i always said every single interaction i have even despite it being on instagram or wherever it has to be authentic right Mm. So I think Cam and I have both surrounded ourselves with art and people that inspire us. So when I saw his work, I was like, ah, heart palpitations and social anxiety (laughs) through the roof. But as soon as we met, we sat down in front of each other and Cam had his notebook full of full of his 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 poems and his work. And we were so the space and the energy allowed us both to be vulnerable with with each other. And it felt like kinship immediately. Absolutely. We absolutely love to see it. I think um, that kind of led into you both working on the healing project together, right? So we actually worked on something before that. Ooh. Um, so we met up, oh gosh, maybe a year ago. Yeah. Um, February, yeah. I think. It hasn't been a year yet, babe. Nearly. Oh, just There's always one that doesn't remember the anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's been much longer than that. Really? Oh yeah, I guess so. Oh my gosh. This is how much you're enjoying um, it, the collaboration. No, it's crazy. I just feel like I've known him for so much longer. It, it does feel um, like it's been years, yeah. Yeah, I was working I was working on a project of a poem of mine that was going to be turned into a, a short film, collaborating with some other artists that I know in the industry. And I was like, oh gosh, I really want Dwayne to be a part of this. So of course, he's also a photographer. And um, it would have been, it would be great to have a photographer on set. And so that's what happened. He was the photographer. He, he captured every single beautiful moment of that day whether the cameras were on or off and oh my gosh that was the moment that i realized oh that okay this is this is it this is great he's a wonderful person to work with professional innovative and the images that he got from that day my goodness Ah. it was it it was a it was for little black book wasn't it and it was a very special day and cameron organized a bunch of artists to get together in this space and you Mm. know and create his piece of art you know i had to really be aware that i was on someone's project you know i was there's a lot of respect and responsibility there and i don't think i've shared this with with cam but it felt like i finally got a seat at the table you know wow honestly honestly i left there flying and floating feeling like shit this is this is what i'm supposed to be doing you know there was just instant instant focus in how i should center my art very special moment Mm. thanks for sharing that i wow you know we talk about a seat at the table and i know that's the title of uh, solange's first well not first album but first of recent albums and just that phrase means so much especially to black people Mm. Um, and especially to black creators who just often have felt, gosh, I'll never get that seat at whatever that table is, physical and figurative table. So that means a lot, Dwayne. I... It's just the truth, babe. You know, I mean, mm. I'm, I'm nothing but shady, annoying and real with this one. You know. <laughs> Can't help it. So that project there was called The Little Black Book. And yes. what was the kind of what was the project about? So Little Black Book is a three part poem um, that I was going to say kind of, but it, it does. It chronicles um, a lot of what I went through in my 20s. I'm now 32 years old. So growing up 20s, black queer boy in New York City hmm. um, and all the perils and trials and 
everything in between and on either side of those things that, that just happened to me. And, um, you know, not everything, but I did as much to capture a lot of the moods and sentiments of what I felt. And then what I found out that a lot of other people had gone through as well. It's told in a kind of incantation type of way. You constantly hear the title within the piece. Mm. And I think what was caught on camera, both still photography and motion, it just brought it to life. I felt like I was reliving <laughs> those days, but being able to reflect in a good way, not just kind of wallowing the, the you know, the woe is me of the, the trials and tribulations of a 20-something-year-old. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it speaks to the queer experience beautifully and painfully and honestly i, I love that uh, we draw that out so much from your work you know there's and i love we've worked on a few projects together but the most enjoyable part of the creative process is annotating brisbane's mm. work and interpreting it in in my own way and then yeah it's, it's beautiful so many layers i think it's clear that you you both kind of just get each other right because you could have photographed that project and got it completely wrong and brisbane could have been like this is not how it was supposed supposed to look you know we could have had a little diva moment but you I think because you already admired each other so much from a creative perspective before do you think that helped your working relationship you were already open to kind of communicate and kind of collaborate in that way so you were able to make that happen you know I think honesty it was honesty that we both had with each other as soon as we first met, we allowed ourselves to be honest and real with each other. And, you know, we spoke about marriage, relationships, anxieties, you know, what, where we are. We've just completely, this is me. And um, I think that that's one of our strongest foundations, you know, as artists who collaborate and enjoy collaborating with each other. We, that honesty, I think, yeah. that, I think that has helped us massively i think what 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 i've found in the past is that when artists get together that you know there's this wall that's put up a lot of it's for protection's sake but you know you you show someone the best parts of you and the established part and the polish and all that stuff and i think that coffee meeting that i had with Dwayne, it just was not about that at all i mean the stuff that we talked about in the first conversation <laughs> yes. you know you look back at this like what Fully. You had the nerve, the gall to actually talk about these things, but that wall was broken down. And of course, you know, we still got to learn each other more and more as time went went by, but that first initial icebreaker was like a dip in the pond. It was really, oh, it just felt so good. And after, you know, putting the trust into someone who you never worked with to to be on a project. Because also for me, that, that was my first non-theater project. That was the first time I was at the table. So, you know, I'm like, this has to be good, you know. <laughs> It has my name on it and I feel like I have to represent so many black artists, so many queer artists. And so to put that trust in Dwayne, I mean, he just delivered above and beyond. And everybody in that room that day really did. Mm. And that really opened up the world to other things I create. And so I said to Dwayne, you know, this is paraphrasing. I probably didn't actually say this, but I said, you stuck with me now because it's just... And I still feel that way. You're stuck there. I, I say this. I say this to Mufsin a lot, and I, he doesn't smile <laughs> in the same way that Dwayne just did. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I get a sense like... of dread. <laughs> oh no, this kid's gonna follow me around for the rest of my life. Oh, God. I think to be oh, fair, wow. all three of you have experienced this. I'm. I, I would say I'm clingy, but from a distance, which is a bit weird. But I'm like here. I'm gonna check in on you when you don't want to be checked in on. Like. <clears throat> I'm like the mother that's like 10 years old. Like it, it, it's all a bit, it's all a bit backwards, but I'm here for it. Yeah. Very so, Alice in so, Wonderland. <laughs> so the little black book led into the healing project. Now, do you kind of sit each other down and plan? Or is there kind of a bigger, you know, Dwayne, you know what you're doing. Okay, Cameron, you know what you're doing. Like, let's make this work. How does your working relationship kind of differ from that vulnerable personal relationship that you had in the coffee shop? Is, th is there a difference? Because that was Cam's baby. Sorry, Cam. I just want to... Cameron delegated. So that was, that was Cameron's baby. So... He was like, okay, this is what I want. And I want you to do this, <laughs> you to do this. And I'm going to trust you and you do your own creative process. But, you know, so it was, Cam had his own thing going on. We were, you know, we were, <laughs> we were creatives on his team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the healing section is the name of, of the album, basically. Oh my gosh. And that came, oh 
all that turmoil that the world had been going through after the death of George Floyd and all the injustice that followed, a lot of people were just angry, rightfully so, but the anger and the angst that permeated the air was so thick and I was so down and in the dumps and I'm sure depression was knocking at my door every day. And so I just, I wanted to create something. And also I had no job, I had no theater job. And so I was stuck in the home with a computer and a mic and thoughts. And so I created a 12 piece collection, audio first. And then I thought this needs to be visual. And so that's when I said Dwayne and Bobby, um, who's also a part of it as well. I would love your imagery to to add to this, to complement this this poetry, this music. And so yes, I, I delegated. <laughs> I I gave them ideas of you know my my feelings and moods for each piece. Um, we decided who would take what, and then I just let them run with it. And again, it was another one of those moments where everything worked, and to me, nothing felt forced. And yeah, Kisma, it, it just. It worked. And, and I, it was really effective. And I think if something feels forced, maybe the energy is not, not there, right? Yeah. Things should be. I, I think creating, creating art should feel easy. It's not easy to do, but it should feel easy. Yeah, you, yeah. you should definitely be in the moment. You should, you should want to be there. You should want to bring that into a reality. Like what you see in your mind, put in, like you said, um, Cameron, taking the thoughts and stuff, you could have gone in a very different direction and gone to a very dark place. And by bringing that to life is very admirable because that's what we're all doing here. Like by bringing that to life, so many people, I, all three, all, all four of us have had this where people drop you a DM and they're like, wow, like you just said the words that have been going around in my head for a day, for a week, for a month. That's when it clicks. You're like, wow, you know, it kind of, it kind of reminds you that we're not in this alone. So by create, by creating, you're, you're bringing people together. And that's what's so exciting about all of the projects that you two have worked on. That's so lovely to hear. And I think right, I agree. you've clearly found the you know, other artists who compliment you and bring out that potential within you and then you can bring the potential out of them and you wouldn't be working with each other if that wasn't the case if there was some natural friction there then it just wouldn't work you wouldn't be going from project to project to project wanting to work with each other you know there's lots of learning for me <laughs> so i worked on a piece a beautiful piece uh, called high tide at the river and <laughs> In my head, I had this Beyonce budget, right? And in reality, <laughs> and in reality, what I received was cold, Brighton weather on the beachfront, and yeah, I mean, there was lots of learning. But did you just learn that you didn't like Brighton? <laughs> not to not not to film in the cold, <laughs> um, and oh, was it a naked shoot? It was. It, 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 there was basically. <laughs> It's actually one of my favourite pieces, but it's one that, hmm, lots of learning for me. Cameron came back to me with raw honesty and, you know, of, of, of what didn't work and what would work and maybe try this and, you know, and, and, and to receive that at first, this is, you know, throughout the editing process. Oh my goodness, it did fucking hurt. It really did. So, you know, I, and I, I, felt, I felt it. But, but then I, you know, went back to the drawing board and we, we did have limited film because of the element, but I had to get out of my feelings and it was probably, probably the best thing that, that one of the best things that's happened to us creatively. Just actually, Actually, girl, this isn't working, but maybe... It's funny, like, we, you know, we established that trust very early, but we had not had a moment of uh, criticizing each other's <laughs> work because everything had worked so smoothly beforehand. And I, maybe there was room for criticism, but the opportunity didn't come. So when this came about... I really had a struggle within myself of, oh gosh, do I say something? Because, you know, is he going to be so offended and he'll never want to work with me again? Or do I just do I just put it out there and continue the honest relationship that we have established? And, you know, of course, be delicate with it because this is art and we're sensitive about our shit as artists. Yes. Um, so I completely understand that, you know, there's room for hurt in this. But I said to myself, I just have to do it. And so, you know, we, we figured it out and I love the piece. I absolutely love it. And I knew he deliver which is why i had him do it <laughs> and yeah i it, it was i'd say that moment really was um an inflection point in our relationship as artists and as friends yes for sure for sure so si since that point has it been easier for you to critique each other now or is it does it still hit just as hard because you're very passionate about what you both do hmm 
Good question. I, my, my initial, my instinct, uh, my initial, yeah. I think you're always going to feel some kind of way when someone mm-hmm. has something to say about your work, right? You're always going to feel some kind of way. You're always going to, of course you want people to, to, to get it and fall in love with it and feel something. When I create mm-hmm. something, when I film something, if there's something, of course, I want people to feel, you know, like, what's what's the experience? So I think, you know, like Cam said, you know, like Erica Badu always says, artists, we, we're sensitive about our shit, but... When it's us two specifically, no, I think I think we have that real honesty. That was big learning for us, you know. We're Absolutely, gonna... I think if we didn't have that moment, our next piece, museum, might not have been the same. I mean, the way that that piece came together, the filming of that piece came together was so beautiful. Oh, girl, it was so spontaneous. <laughs> And again, that's that trust that I have in this man. I mean, I think we figured out two days before <laughs> that we're gonna film twenty-four it hours. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just ridiculous. And and you know, this was. I felt like it was solely in Dwayne's hands. I was like, you know, I was in. I was in the piece. I think was this my first time. Yeah, my first time mm-hmm. being in a piece that Dwayne films. And so he was at the helm, and I got to watch him work. I got to watch what makes him tick. And I mean, this man's a genius. Um, oh, baby. You know, go and watch that that short piece, Museum. Gorgeous. And what you see on the film is, I'm pretty sure, a fraction of what Dwayne has going on in his brain. It's just gorgeous. And that moment with High Tide at the River and, and sharing ourselves and what we think in our heads as artists broke another wall down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to just ask, throughout all your pieces, what are the main themes that kind of permeate throughout? Blackness, there queerness, we go. right? Um, and then everything else follows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kinship and, you know, playing with femininity, masculinity, whatever that is, you know, like toxic masculinity is completely out of the window. It's, mm. it's complete queerness in all of its glory. I think it's changed every time we will, you know, Cameron will present work and with Museum, we had a creative meeting and said, you know, okay, let's, let's work on one more. Let's do one more. Which always turns into another one. Another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Cameron presented some pieces and Museum spoke to me and I'm a very visual person. And we decided to annotate that. And within 24 hours, Cameron was on his way to Sussex. And Ridiculous. And we played with ancestry, you know, New Orleans fashion, you know, that New Orleans black fashion in 1850s, head wraps and sensitivity, kinship secrecy intimacy pain you know waiting for waiting for romance that you know and you don't know if it's gonna come or not heartbreak so uh, we've traveled through a lot of themes clairvoyancy black ritualism it's in the art it's been incredible because um i meant i think i've said this to both of you after looking at your project you make things that you can't just watch once you have to, you know, look at the visuals for one, then listen to the words another time, then put the two together, then unravel what the meaning is, then see the hidden meanings. Like I gotta have that shit on repeat all day long, just just to even try and understand Good. it. And and I and I think that's the true power. Listen, I, w- I can watch Little Mix's music video and love it and be like, yes, once, but I didn't take anything from that. <laughs> no shade to Little Mix. Yeah. No shade to Little Mix. Sorry, they, Little they're mix. killing it. Sorry, little mix. But when you two create, and I, and I haven't seen this with many people, with any other people, to be honest, like you two stand out the most. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. You know, I tell you both this off air as well. But I want to spend an hour with that shit, like properly just taking it in. They weren't necessarily made for me, but even just from a queer perspective to, to look at that, to understand that, and even to try and understand what other people in our community are going through are feeling, like it just blows my mind every single time. And like I can sit and watch it again and again and again and again and still learn something new the 12th time I've watched it and that's what I admire about what you both do and I think you're both able to do that you know when you work together when you do things solo that's something that definitely stands out from 
from what you create and that's what excites me like I'm ready I'm ready for the next project you say it always leads into another one and another one like I'm here for that it's really special that um it resonates with you you know although you know I I write a lot of my work through the lens of a black queer man who born in New York City in 1988 my goal is that it transcends racial lines and gender identity lines and whatever other lines that society places between us so that means a lot because I'm always conscious you know will this reach will it reach yeah yeah very humbling to hear that spencer you're very. welcome so cameron <laughs> you weren't writing for a, a white boy in wales was that not the objective I mean, if, a white, if a white if a white boy in wales resonated <laughs> um resonated with it then be my guest but so there's a lot of writers writing for white boys in wales so <laughs> i want to write for the black boy in peckham too <laughs> So I agree with Spencer. The mixture of spoken word and the visuals is really eye-catching and makes you want to watch it over and over again. And I was watching on IGTV, Cameron, your Breathe track. Yes. And the visuals are amazing because you've you've got a person smoking cigarettes, right? Talking about breathing. And straight away, that really like conflicts me in my in the way I interpret it but one of the lyrics that stood out to me and i'm just going to read it out and i want to know what it means to you is strip off layer after layer of falsehoods and pretend notions of perfection (laughs) that line is something i'm personally dealing with myself in this very time a lot of us just put on so much shit unnecessary shit just for the presentation to the rest of the world that i don't know we're desirable or we're worthy enough it's like take all that off because it's heavy it's really heavy and it's suffocating. You know, it may feel nice to parade out in it and all your glory and everything that makes people go, yes, honey, work and whatever. But when you get home, you got to take the, all that shit off and then you're left with yourself. And it's like, if when you're left with yourself, I hope you're happy. I hope you can breathe. Um, And if you can't, don't wear it again. Wear things that, you know, I'm saying wear, but <laughs> be things do things that serve you and that serve your growth and that allow you to to live that's what that means and for you Dwayne from autumn's renewal which is a brilliant piece a lot of lines from that piece which resonated and Spencer will know from my story of my life like trauma is always something that's constantly creeping up in my life this line turning this trauma into a triumph that was really powerful that was still echoing in my head after I watched the video so when you were writing that what did you what did you mean by that I guess and how does it resonate with you I think I'm gonna rewind a bit first Mm. and refocus on the body for a moment I find the human form beautiful in all of its shape and glory not talking about myself you've removed me from the picture for a moment and you know sensuality sexuality nudity it shouldn't be a taboo why are we afraid to see flesh you know so I do love playing in those grey areas of is this allowed is this too naughty is it you know I I, I do enjoy that because it because it's not mm, me taking ownership of, of self and it's us taking ownership of our own bodies occupying space the way we want to um but turning this trauma into a triumph oh autumn's renewal is such a personal piece and you know it was taken from me journaling for four weeks whilst i was in intensive therapy and actually spencer was one of the first people i spoke to when i shared it and so I, my husband sat on the edge of my bed and you know it's only bloody social media but when i did press share i did cry i did i did i fully he did he definitely did (laughs) and i wasn't expecting that visceral reaction feeling but through therapy through being you know trying to live authentically and through sharing and creative art i have turned my trauma into a fucking triumph you know it's it's a constant constant work in progress you know nothing's perfect but you know i I did write make sure your anger doesn't come out sideways you know one of the things that i learned through therapy is you know accessing that emotion anger it is okay to be angry you are allowed Mm -hmm. to be angry about what's happened to you you know it's not a negative feeling or reaction so I really latched onto that and was honest about it and rather than it coming out sideways it's a fountain from the top of my head just pouring out in the way it's supposed to yeah I think anger is definitely an emotion I've always struggled with um I'm not really an angry person but when stuff happens to you you have to be angry because otherwise you're not going to process stuff and you're just going to explode but yeah autumn's renewal is a very vulnerable piece 
but a very strong piece. So I can understand why pressing the share button was such a big moment because you are putting yourself out there to literally the world. Completely. You know, it wasn't about me being a look queen um, <laughs> or, you know, just kind of just content. It was, this is... You can still look good while you do it though. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> like, so, like you mentioned before, it's about feeling. It's about us feeling something collectively, right? Yeah. You know, if, if, if there's someone else who has been through shit and if, you know, like you said before, we're not the only ones who have experienced that. No harm in sharing and healing together. Yeah. When you talk about the body being sensual, being beautiful, I really understand that. Like I have to say, I really do understand that because a couple of years ago, that's when I started doing life modeling for artists and I had never been comfortable with my body. I'd never been comfortable really with my skin in those spaces either. And it was through a process of modeling for artists, letting them draw me like completely naked. I really started to understand how people saw my body in different ways. And I started to put together the pieces and see like, this is my body. Like it's not just the same body you look see in the mirror or look when you look down. Like this is actually my body in loads of different perspectives and together like, and individually it's always beautiful. and for me, that was a journey that I went through and I am very comfortable with my body and, you know, the way it changes. I love seeing gay men be comfortable with their body in that way and their skin colour. Say that. Say that. And um, it's so... Uh... <laughs> it just goes to show how important visibility is, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, people oh, people can say whatever they want about your body or your form. We all have our own anxieties and everyone's on their own journey, but there's beauty in every form. Hairy, smooth, fluffy, smaller whatever you know there's beauty in every form and there's beauty in the change yes. of the form you know bodies change constantly as Muffin <laughs> said I feel like the difficulty comes in when you you finally become comfortable in, in one way and then all of a sudden that may change to something else and that change can feel so uncomfortable but I'm learning that there is beauty in that transition as well amen <laughs> so Spencer your body's gonna change as you get older listen so you gotta not- get comfortable with that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna lie I literally tweeted about this last night okay very strange you just said that so I found a picture of myself from Twitter from six months ago where I was skinnier and now my body is a different shape and form and I looked at it and I was like oh my god this is a disaster like do I need to get back to that and I realized and it's taken me a few weeks to kind of process this I've been having these conversations with people especially with my boyfriend but like it's okay like I'm still cute I'm still pretty um my body (laughs) is my body like I just need to accept it this year I could have done a lot worse things to my body I could have done a lot worse things to myself to my mental health based on the scenario that we've all been stuck in this year if I ate a bit more and drank a bit more and my body's changed accordingly like I have to just be happy with that well I don't have to be happy with that but I I need to accept that that happened for a reason and this doesn't make me any lesser of the person I was before I'm the same person I'm just a bit juicier now (laughs) and that's that's it that's it (laughs) more cushion for the pushing um so yeah I I completely resonate with that I think there's so much stigma around you know muscle gaze all over our feeds all over social media and I always say it's not about bringing them down and having less of them it's about bringing all the other body types and shapes and forms up to the same level we should all worship every single body like we worship the you know the ripped muscle gay only then will we all be equal this isn't about taking down the muscle gays you know bringing them all down make feeding them all up so they don't look that good anymore and like shitting on them online and making sure that they feel bad about how much hard work they've put into themselves we just need to celebrate everybody else so i'm here for that and that's my uh that's my preach for the day <laughs> amen you know, just, just last thing on this one of the massive lessons for me when i used to personal train and that muscle gay or whoever you know uh, everyone's got their own insecurity you know what I mean like everyone is hyper vigilant about something we've all got something going on you know quite frankly no one really gives a fuck no one really cares that much do they just do your thing absolutely yep do your thing how do you guys use social media to amplify your different projects and amplify and reach out to people so that they can see your art and you know they can experience your art okay um <laughs> you don't want to be a you don't want to answer this question I, have I can this, tell I have this interesting love-hate relationship with social media now currently I'm off social media I have not deactivated but I've taken it off my phone I've been going through a lot of personal ish that warranted me going away from social media and all the pressure most of that pressure was coming from my 
my main industry of theater and the fact that we're not as an industry even working and all the the airing out of people's grievances etc on every platform and it was too much so i'm going on a tangent so because it was too much i had to say hey hey girl i'm gonna I'm have to see you a little bit later <laughs> But what I realized, you know, after the panic of, oh my gosh, nobody's gonna see my stuff, I realized that I have a whole bunch of work up there. A whole bunch of work that I'm proud of that is currently still up there at Brisbane Cove. <laughs> and I have a website that also features that. And I, I said to myself, whenever I go back on to social media, I have to take the pressure off. The pressure of the likes, the pressure of the comments, of the impressions, of the reach. And that wherever my work goes, whoever whoever it reaches, that's meant to happen. It's meant to be for them. And it's just helped me really focus on the actual content of the work versus on making it likable to every single body in the whole damn world. Um, it's making me keep my integrity as an artist. This is not to downplay social media because social media is very powerful. And at the beginning of, of this year in lockdown, it helped so much. I mean, I'm on this podcast now because of social media, because of the connections I made through social media. So it is a, a very important part of my artistry, but it is a part of my artistry. It does not make my artistry. And so I can take a break from it and still be the writer that I am and still be the artist that I am and still create. So much so that when I go back to social media, I have content that I can now post or I can tease at certain things. Absolutely. So it's very important. It, it's, 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 it's so, it's so in integral, especially nowadays, to, to artists, especially to, for outreach. Um, but I just had to find the balance and I'm still finding it in my absence and I'm loving it. But I'm still on. You can see me at CBJ Arts <laughs> and at Brisbane Kofi. <laughs> Check it out. We, we will be plugging you. Don't you worry about that. That, re that relationship is difficult. Now, before Dwayne answers the same question, I asked you on the day you released Autumn's Renewal, like, how how did it do? And you you said, like, oh yeah like it's reached a lot of people but so so and so dropped me a message and told me how it resonated with them and the fact that I could reach even just one person with what I did on a one-to-one -one level that's what counts so I think yeah I think there's definitely power in both for sure I constantly check myself before I post anything right who is it for who is it for Right. And yeah, sometimes you want to be a bit thirsty and, you know, just post stuff for fun. Great. But when it comes to my art or collaboration that, you know, someone else's piece. Yeah. Who is it for? I think that's an important question that we constantly, that we should always ask ourselves. Is it authentic? Is it true to us? So after I finished Autumn's Renewal, I was so relieved that there was no sense of urgency to share. And I'm being totally real when I say that you know sometimes when I create something I'm like oh shit I want to share this I want to get but no it was fully authentic and of course you're excited about showcasing your work but I knew it was for me um I don't know if I'm answering the question but it's part of the process I think by by knowing it's for you that takes the pressure off right when you hit share you weren't waiting for validation, val validation, not validation, um, validation, <laughs> you weren't waiting for validation. Um, but do you, is there still an element of that? Oh my God, of course. I think I'd be lying if I said there wasn't. I definitely, I'm such an emotional bugger. So I always <laughs> want people to feel something and I'm such a romantic so you know here look at this pretty flower how does it make you feel that's that's who I am so I'd be lying if I said I didn't create for others mm. as well as myself but it always has to have meaning can I I want to share this with you Duane the day you posted that was the Tuesday that I deleted social media from my phone and your piece was the last piece I saw before I hit x on my iPhone to take off Instagram and part of me went oh my gosh I shouldn't be because I want to see more work like this and it, and that's the kind of work that inspires me outside of all the other bs that comes <laughs> with social media but I deleted it anyway and I'm so glad that that piece was the last piece I got to see it showed me that it was okay to take this break and go get my own therapy so that I could then tell a story like you did and reach other people so that that piece means a lot to me and I know we haven't spoken one-on-one -on -one about it but I'm gonna give you your flowers right now on this podcast <laughs> baby it is 
amazing. I mean, ob the obvious is the physical beauty of it, as in your body. But then everything else that you put into it visually resonated so well with me. And I'm sure it reaches so many other people. And so this is your moment of validation that I'm giving to you. Keep doing that shit because we don't have enough of it. So thank you. Thank you, darling. You're going to make me cry. We, we absolutely here for the tears on Queer Talk. Um, if you can make, can make I, that happen regardless. Can I ask if you cry, can you do it um, with a lot Loudly. of emotion so that we can hear it <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> Sorry to kill the mood there. Oh <laughs> no, beautiful. for sure. Listen, I think Cameron, Cameron just spoke, spoke volumes for all of us. But I, it, I think it just it also highlights the chemistry that Cam and I have as creative artists. We, we, there is something there. It's so tangible with us, you know, and I think I feel very lucky and blessed to have found my partner in crime on this creative Aww. journey. It's great. Now I'm going to cry. I'm going to say the same too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. To bring it back just a little, just to do a little rewind. You have both put your your work out this year since the heightened focus on Black Lives Matter. And my question, which may be right, may be wrong, I don't know. My question is, has it been harder to be seen? Because there was, you know, we were doing massive sharing sprees of Black creatives and Black artists and stuff. Now, I know that this may seem temporary because, you know, the wider picture this this trend of the moment in quotation marks may disappear and then these shares will disappear with it. Something we're very passionate about on Queer Talk and on my platform for the love of queers is to continue that noise all year round. But when when that heightened focus came about, do you, did you both find it more difficult to be seen uh, amongst all that noise? First of all, we ain't going nowhere, right? A trend can come and go and we'll still be here. Um, during the Black Lives Matter movement here in 2020, in big old 2020, um, it, 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 I, was it harder? No, it, I, I, we all stood up and we did the work that we had to do, right? And we may have been visible to other people who probably you know didn't want to jump on the performative bandwagon but we've always been there we've always been doing this we've always been shouting from the rooftops it's certain individuals who have woken up from their slumber you know it's still a massive frustration that in big 2020 <laughs> people are now starting to ask oh you know which books should i read or oh my god i've just read, read that rene ido lodge book and oh my you know how to be an anti-racist and what were our forefathers and sisters doing in the 60s in the 50s for example during the black lives matter movement here i was like okay cool you know it's time to really step the fuck up let me put my bootstraps on and it's really time to be heard and seen that was the, the, the that was the energy that i i was given and it, it lit a fire under my art completely i think what i realized is that the audience has got bigger the artists were always there the audience has changed exponentially and that can be overwhelming because all of a sudden you have people who are like i care i care i care and you're like okay well some of us are going to take your word for it and others are going to be a really like uh, are you sure oh i don't believe you and so navigating the audiences would pretty much seem like the drop of a dime um <laughs> it wasn't a trickling in it was like now all of a sudden everyone's interested in our lives oh okay well i'm gonna keep putting out stuff i may jack it up a little bit more since you know the demand is there but um as the way that we've always been there and we always will be whether we have one person in the audience or a, a million but yeah for me it was navigating those audiences not all of a sudden thinking i gotta put more stuff out um and i gotta make sure i'm seen because you know we've been that's been a battle that's been a, a challenge all along making sure we're seen so then we were seen and now we are seen and hopefully we still will be we ain't going nowhere i mean this is this is the, this is the start of something right there's been a new wave of activism a, a really important layer of this movement has been white people having these conversations amongst themselves right mm -hmm. and really challenging their problematic friends, aunties and uncles, when we're not in the room, you know? When you're in a boardroom 
and you see a sea of white faces and you talk about being diverse and inclusive as an anti-racist it's you need to challenge that put that in the room you know and I think people are now starting to talk about that and do the work so you know the bootstraps are on we've got we've got we've got a shit ton to do you know Miss Harris is in the building but there is a lot of work to do overseas and here so yeah I think we can we all agree especially with this election like we're at a turning point hopefully a turning up because it's been so bad <laughs> yeah, yeah when are the clubs opening shit <laughs> I'm gonna shake my ass damn even though your audience has maybe expanded a bit more to white audiences, you're still making content for black individuals. I'm going to add or something to maybe that. maybe you're not. I'm making content for black individuals first. Mm. The priority is that let me make sure this reaches my brothers and sisters first and foremost. But it is not exclusive to that. The lens through which I write you know, and the subjects most often, if not always, are black and queer people. Black and or queer people. And so I don't, again, it's about the reach for me. Mm -hmm. I'm finding ways to do that cleverly. Is that a word? Cleverly? Whatever. Uh, (laughs) So... (laughs) So it's it's, it's about the priority. Yeah. um, And not the exclusivity for me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay. It's also about changing history as well, I feel. And I know it sounds really grand, but as a young queer black boy, I opened up magazines and I did not see one black face. You know, the standard of beauty did not look like me as a young queer kid. It is essential for me anyway. It's, yeah, that, like Cam said, who is it for first? It's very inclusive, but we have to look, we have to look out and look after each other because no one has been doing it historically. Yeah. Sure. So previous to our conversation today, and I mean, you've mentioned it, you've brought it up in the discussion, you both have shared that you've been attending therapy this year. Now, as gay black men, you know, especially within what we've been through in 2020, especially in 2020, full stop. How have you found that support? You know, our community definitely face a lot of struggles. That's the queer community. That's the black community. The queer black community have a whole heap of issues and struggles themselves how accessible did you find that and and has it influenced your creative process now i know your creative process can be a form of therapy but has attending therapy helped influence your creative process that's to both of you whoever wants to go first that's a lot to think about i know (laughs) yeah it's definitely influenced growing up i always heard and i was always under the impression that therapy wasn't for me and it's you know it's not a black thing black people don't seek therapy It's all bullshit. It's all stuff that gets fed to us from whatever. Therapy has been one of the most life-changing things so far. I think everyone should access it. And we focus on queer black men specifically who have higher rates of mental health, higher rates of suicide, but less mental health. Yeah, but you know, but, but minimize access to mental health facilities and intervention. I work with young people and families, right? So if you've got, if you talk stats for a minute, young black boys up to the age of 11 years old do fine in school. But once they reach 11, something happens in their mental. What is that, right? So as a queer person in general, therapy is, oh my God, has has been massive and and has totally influenced the creative process for me. I always heard about the stigma with black people in therapy. I didn't grow up in a family that um, preached that. We weren't a family that spoke about it and, and, and widely for it, but it just wasn't spoken about. 
this idea of therapy. Therapy is the church. Therapy is getting on your knees and pray. Therapy is confession for those who practice that, you know. That is your therapy. Jesus. <laughs> Um, which I quickly learned, you know, that's a whole crock of shit. And people are actually out here suffering and not getting professional help. And so I've, I've since then had a huge curiosity in seeking therapy. And it took this pandemic and a few other personal things in my life to happen all in this year for me to be like, okay, I need this now. Like, I need this now. Not now, right now, as my mother says. Um, and so I listened to that that curiosity that was constantly knocking at me for for years. Just saying, check it out. Um, and I just wanted to make sure I felt safe in it as well. Cause, you know, you're, you're, you're confiding in another person. Um, and so that's where you have to have trust. And, you know, growing up as a Black American in this world, a lot of that trust thrown out the window with others, with the world. Um, but I said, you know what? I'm just going to dive into it headfirst. And it was one of the best decisions I made in my entire life. I, I feel so free and I'm still doing it. It's not it's not over. But the amount of liberty that I've accessed <laughs> is oh so crazy, so good. And when I put pen to paper now, it just feels effortless. I've had moments of that in the past, you know, pre-therapy that, you know, things just flow out into the page. So I'm not saying I was struggling in my writing beforehand. But there's just something, it's this genesis where I just can't really name it, that since having therapy, I'm able to just express more and, and, and be authentic. That authenticity comes up so much. Um, and have integrity within my work. And then I get to practice that outside of my art as well. I get to practice being a better human being, a better person to myself, a better person to my husband, a better person to my friends, family, loved ones. And so therapy, it's like that cousin you love. <laughs> you may not see him or her all the time, but when you do, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And you come out of that situation just loving life and loving yourself, or even if it was a bad time, you come out thinking about things in different ways that you could have never imagined. And ah, oh, I'm so glad that I'm, I've, I'm in this journey still with therapy. That was beautiful, Cam. I mean, also, you know, when you spoke about safety as well, you know, you always have to ensure that you're safe in that room. You're, you're opening up yourself to someone. That's not to say therapy's easy. You know, sometimes it's so difficult, so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the, the way I first described it was, you know, my first therapist, she was amazing, looked like MC Light, also queer. But she would, you know, imagine you're in a room and there's full of dirty clothes around you, right? She would pick every item up and hold it in front of you and you'd assess it you'd wash it, you fold it, and then you put it away in its place, you know, and you, 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 you're sitting in this clean room, but that process is painful initially, but you come out the other end, like Cam said, feeling so damn good. That's one thing I want to pick up from what you've said there. Um, your therapist is queer, and one of the things I've always, probably two things actually, with therapy is uh, you can come from a family where you don't talk about mental health and therefore therapy doesn't feel like it's for you because no one in your family's had therapy or like maybe therapy feels like it's giving into defeat sometimes when it shouldn't because the way Cameron's described therapy right now is is amazing like it's unlocked so much uh, so many different thought patterns in your in your mind and it's really helped your creative process as well as your life and the people miss out on that because they don't realize it's not a giving it a defeat it's actually an investment in yourself in many ways um so i guess that's one barrier to getting therapy is that kind of oh it's not for me and then you have like the cost element of it of course therapy isn't always accessible because it's a pure cost and then once you get into therapy is the therapist actually the right therapist for you because they may not understand what it's like to be black and or queer and then if you don't have a therapist who can really understand that and doesn't necessarily mean they have to be queer that you just that they may not just understand lgbt life and can't empathize like then you're getting therapy which isn't actually tailored for someone with your life experience and then you're not actually guessing what you need out of it so there's so many different barriers to actually getting the you know just getting the right therapy and i don't know if either of you have faced that and how have you over, kind of overcome it and if someone's listening here who wants to get therapy, like what would you say to them 
as well. It is expensive and a lot of people feel like they don't have the time. There are tons of resources online now which offer therapy for all. You just have to do a bit of research and not a lot. You can create all the barriers you want, right? But mental health and good mental health is wealth. I would say don't put it Personal off. Personal investment. Yeah. Good mental health is wealth. Are you quoting yourself? Autumn's renewal. Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> So did it help having a queer therapist? Ooh, you know. For, for me, it does. My, my, I'll, I'll answer that. that my therapist, yes, it helps a lot. Um, in what ways? In my subconscious and kind of like into my actual consciousness, <laughs> I said to myself when I decided I'm going to seek out therapy that I want someone who's black mm. and queer. And I actually didn't do a lot of searching. I found my therapy, therapist through social media (laughs) oh the irony (laughs) um (laughs) and it wasn't even a time where i was like searching on instagram for for therapists do people do that i don't know maybe but i stumbled upon someone and then i saw in in their their bio that they're a psychotherapist and i thought oh my goodness so i went straight to the dm and started a conversation and then we went from there and you know again because it's my first therapy i don't have anything else to compare it to but the level of trust that is in the room well it's digital it's over online but still the level of trust that crosses our screens um oh my gosh even in the discomfort the the awkward moments the the excruciating pain of (laughs) of discovery i still feel comfortable and my therapist expresses a warmth towards me that i can feel through a screen you know it's crazy how i felt that and even without saying things he's looking dead at me and i can see he sees me in all that i am and that links back to visibility when you when you grow up in a world where you feel like you're not seen and you don't see yourself to then have someone help you with challenges you're going through especially mentally and emotionally to have them see you not just see your problems but to see you for who you are in that moment who you were in the past as well oh my goodness I mean, emotional just saying, talking about it. Oh, it was, it, I wish I had it before. I wish I had done done that earlier. But of course, there's no regrets that I hadn't done it. This is the time, this is the moment for me to have sought therapy and for me to continue to seek it. But again, to have someone see you and be able to relate with you, it is priceless. So just to kind of delve into this a little bit more, we have discussed struggle and trauma and growing and learning like it's been quite a heavy conversation i have i have learned so much and it's so so nice to sit down with both of you with all of us and just be vulnerable and be open but i would love for you both to tell us where do you find joy right now where do you still find joy (laughs) where are those moments that just make you grin from side to side because you two have some gorgeous smiles um now our listeners can't see that but they will if they head over to your socials but (laughs) what makes you what makes you happy right now food (laughs) (laughs) i love to bake Yes. Full stop. Oh no, there's more. I'm just thinking. <laughs> he's he's thinking of his baking Instagram that he's gonna open up yeah. when he comes back to Instagram. It. That was his inner truth. All the <laughs> shit he shared already was easy. <laughs> Telling us he bakes, that was that was a moment. <laughs> What gives me joy? Checking in with self. Other people as well, you know, just like Spencer, you know, (laughs) Spencer has taught me a lot in in a short space of time that, you know, you may not know someone for for a long time, but sometimes just being honest and real and talking about real shit, it's refreshing and it's, it's joyous. But going back to therapy for a moment, what gives me joy is, um, I really had to learn how to how to be comfortable in that stillness, you know, to be comfortable with my to be comfortable with myself in all of its quirks. So there are lots of external things that bring me joy. My wonderful husband, friends, art. But one thing my therapist said to me is, you know, when was when have you ever done inward work? We can do so many outward things like go on holiday or whatever to make us feel good. But when have you done some real positive inward work? And I think when you get comfortable with that stillness, joy happens. I'm finding joy similar to Dwayne's joy in the stillness. I'm finding joy in the in-between. I'm in a real in-between state right now. And old me would be like, what's happening? You need to be at your next destination now. And to my therapeutic experience, experience um that was one of the first things that my therapist endorsed 
the in-between, that space of not knowing what's happening. And for me, that is terrifying, the not knowing part. In this time, oh my gosh, I found so much joy in that. The pressure of having to know what's next is gone. Amen. And I can just enjoy what I'm doing right now, how big, how little that is. I'm learning what makes me tick. What actually makes me tick when no one else is around. Because a lot of what I do is for other people. It's presentational. But when the audience is gone, what do I have left? And that's what I had to discover. That joy of self. Relearning myself. Again, I'm 32 years old and I thought I knew all, all about myself. And I'm learning that I don't. And I'm actually fine with that. So I'm figuring it out. It's a constant process. It's definitely a constant process. Now, what you what you just said may dismiss um, our final question. But finally, to round this off, I want to know kind of what's next, what's missing, and what's the dream. But when I say what's next, I don't mean when's your next damn recording going to come out. I mean what's next. Like, after, after this call... For, for working on yourself, for finding that joy, for, for just being in the moment and being in the in-between, you know, hmm. what what do you kind of hope for? What's the dream? Um, I'm working on a book. Yes. Ooh. It is my first book collection of poetry. It's a chapbook or a pamphlet, depending on who you are and what you want to call it. Right now, it is uh, around 20-some-odd poems. So a short one. Short, but potent. Mm. And um, it's a very vulnerable piece of mine that I'm so excited to get out. Um, and so I've just been working on it, continuing to do so. And you'll hear more about it in the appropriate future. But in that writing process, I'm learning about myself again. I'm reflecting a lot. So it's a it's a double double duty type of project for me. It's you know, it's something presentational and personal. Um and whenever it's meant to come out to the to the world it will come out. Amazing. That's exciting. I can't wait. Can't wait. I've heard little snippets and you guys are gonna, Ooh, <laughs> gonna <teasing. gag. laughs> I'm yeah, we, still I'm still learning. You know, still lots of learning for me. So, you know, to be completely honest, it's kind of, you know, where where's the energy at? Um, got a lot of things in the pipeline with Prepster and the Love Tank, who are a non-profit community, um, interest community that promotes good health and well-being of underserved communities for education, capacity building and research. Um, and they're founded by Mark Thompson and Will Nutland. So we've got some, yeah, we've got a few projects that we want to start in 2021. Um, there's a pilot that we both did called Pass the Baton, which is a intergenerational conversation you know talking about mm. art and activism and everything in between so just more of the same and more learning i'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm, I'm still the dust hasn't settled yet good sounds like there's <laughs> a lot happening we need both of you to continue just in your own time at your own pace you burn yourselves out that's it it's over so you have you have to be feeling it the whole time when you're ready but i'm i'm so so grateful that you've both uh you've both come on on the show to share this with us yeah we're working on something together i don't yes. know if Dwayne wants to talk about that but <laughs> just like wait we have something coming up yeah you know you know the whole purpose we got you on the show you know that project you were you were supposed to plug the whole time <laughs> whoops yeah so Dwayne and i together with another poet colleague and friend of ours now called Adam Isdale. Um, Adam and I co-wrote a poem together, so it's my first collaborative poem. And Dwayne will be at the helm of directing and filming that. Unfortunately, we are now in lockdown mm -hmm. too, so that was actually meant to happen this very month. So whenever we come out of lockdown, we will get to work on that. But yes, Dwayne and I have another collaboration in the pipeline, so you can see more of what we cool yeah love it you also cool. said oh, what's sorry. missing and what's the dream yeah hmm. yeah what's what is the dream come on Dwayne. you want you wanted to bring that back to the forefront what's missing what's the dream Dwayne? you know without getting heavy again what's missing actual equality is missing we've still got a ton of work to do you know our trans siblings are still getting killed across the continent on our doorstep our history existence you know people are trying to erase that so that's what's missing Hmm. The dream is to for all of our voices to be heard and for all of our stories to be told in its true authentic state. That's the dream. That is a beautiful dream. I think we're definitely heading in the right direction. Slowly, surely. It's a slow process, but it's happening. It is happening. Cameron? Um, a part of that dream is for us to be 
uplifted continually continually say it with your chest i love i love <laughs> i love having creatives on the podcast because this has been like a whole almost two hour poem right here like the way you two speak and the way it just it's just been so like blissful i feel like i've just been through therapy <laughs> Like I'm just I'm just sat here like really dreamy like I'm ready for a nap. Like, <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> Do you know I've just been listening and taking it in and being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's been... yeah, that's the dream. Mm. Right. If you two are quite finished and have nothing else to add or anything else is you it? want to promote or blow up or reveal, I'm glad you managed to reveal your project at the end there. That was that was real sweet of you both. <laughs> Then we'll wrap this up. Nothing else yeah. to share? No. Else. You don't want to share the date you're going to come back to Instagram? No, the there's no launch hey. party. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You'll know. <laughs> and that, everyone, is the end of episode four. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Cameron. And thank you so much, Dwayne, for coming on, for sharing your truth and being so vulnerable with us. I feel like we've had a really powerful conversation and I've got like 2 million things to go away and think about. I'm probably going to call a therapist. Didn't think I needed one, but you pointed (laughs) out how much trauma we actually have. (laughs) So I'm going to go work on that. Um, But thank you so much, so, so, so much for joining us. Um, And I can't wait to see what you both create in the near or distant future and if you could let the listeners know how we can continue to follow your journey you can follow me at black in motion you can check out my website at www.brisbonkofi.com that is b-r-i-s-b-o-n-k-o-f-i stunning and don't forget to let us know you've listened to this episode on socials we're on Instagram at queer underscore talk and on Twitter at queer talk underscore. Until next time, bye. bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.